From the offices of Courtney Dehoff, a.k.a. her apartment in Dallas, the cowgirl-turned-television host brings you the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. This podcast is where country and city living collide. Cowgirl Problems is dedicated to anyone who is trying to figure out what the heck they're doing with their life. It's for the cowgirls, cowboys, entertainers, and everyday hustlers sorting through all of life's problems. Buckle up, here goes nothing. Well, welcome to uh, another episode of the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. And boy, do I have a cowgirl today, a sixth generation cowgirl, in fact, which is pretty darn impressive. A fancy lady cowgirl, a salon owner, a rancher. She is just the woman of all things. I am here with Sierra Emerson. Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you? I am good. I am so glad you are here, and I'm so pumped. We have so much to talk about. I want to start sort of with your story, Sierra, because sixth generation, that is not all that common anymore. That's really impressive. So tell me a little bit just about your your background and your upbringing. I have ranching and farming on both sides of my family. Both sets of my grandparents are still alive. They both still are super active in the ag industry. My mom's parents are from Kansas. They met they met at K-State. My grandfather farmed and ranched, and my grandmother came from a long line. They still own the Flathills of Kansas, like a huge um, operation still up there. My grandmother, you know how it goes, usually the wife marries into a ranching community and kind of has to leave her upbringing, so her brother got that. Really, just ranching and being in the rodeo industry is all I've ever known on both sides of my family. So, you know, we'd go to Christmas on one side and we're roping and we go to Christmas on the other side and we're roping and ranching as well. Very, very fortunate to be brought up in that. My dad made the national finals and both of my grandmothers were rodeo queens. My grandmother was Miss Rodeo Texas and my other grandma was Miss Rodeo Kansas. So it's really neat how rodeo and ranching just really runs so deep in my family. Growing up, the still barn was just like our playground. <laughs> uh, we walked on the catwalks more than I probably walked on anything else. And so I just honestly didn't even realize that there was really any other way of life because, you know, both sides of my family did it. I have a twin sister. My parents did not know that they had twins until four hours before <laughs> my sister and I entered this earth. Um, they were told that they were having like one boy and up in you know, I'm like, how did they miss that? Even with like listening for heartbeats. But I guess my sister and I returned like together, like basically hugging each other the majority of the pregnancy and our hearts are beating at the same time. So the doctor only heard like one heavy heartbeat. And then when we got ready to come out and be delivered, my mom said it was the scariest thing in her whole life. My dad was out like ranching and there was no cell phone. So my mom's like going into labor. She walks across the street. The lady across the street drives my mom to the hospital. She's like, go to the ranch. Tell Jimmy that we're like, I'm going into labor. I just kind of laughed because I was like brought into this world. My dad was like ranching. And um, rodeoing, and yeah. So four hours before, they um, said, "Hey, you're there. You're having twins." And my mom said it was just super scary. Rodeoing is like a huge part of my life. Growing up, I think most people like thought about marrying, you know, like Prince Charming, and I always wanted to marry a cowboy. Like I wanted him to ranch and rodeo because that's what my dad did, and that's what both my grandpas did and that's what my uncles did and that's all I really ever knew. And what a cowgirl entry. I mean, what 
it's just so cowgirl to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Surprise, we're not a boy. There's two of us. Surprise. You know, here we are, Faith Lady Cowgirls into the world. I just, what a cool story. And uh, you, you know, you, you come from that just ranching and rodeo background, but that is not your whole story. And I do want to say what I really appreciated about you, Sierra, you reached out to me and you said, hey, this is my story. And I wish that more women would do that because, you know, it's, it's so hard for me to keep up with everyone on social media. And so for social media is very superficial as well. You know, I, oh, sure. I would have never known you were a sixth generation rancher and had all of these cool stories. So anyone who is listening, who is like, well, I have a cool story. I hope they reach out, follow Sierra's lead. I loved that about you, Sierra, but you also, honestly, one of the things that hooked me and I want you to say the like slogan, but you are, you have a hair salon called the hair saloon tell yes. us about this. How did you get into hair and tell tell us a little bit about the hair saloon? Okay. So really kind of cool story. Like I said, I grew up, um, being country grew up in the country. So truly like going to the hair salon with my mom was not a thing. I helped her pull her hair through the cap. You know, everybody did that. You went to Walmart, you got your cap, you pulled your hair through it, your family contributed. You know, like we couldn't afford to go splurge on getting our hair done. So going to the hair salon was not a thing. I honestly did not even know that was a career. Um, I, I was in the sixth grade and this, they had like career day. And this hairdresser came to the school and was talking about her career. And I was so intrigued about the whole thing. I was like, first off, you can be your own boss. I thought that was really neat. You make money on a daily basis because granted, that was something that I wasn't used to because my father rodeoed. And so it wasn't a guaranteed check. He was very good and very successful, but you still, you can do really well and still not win anything. And then in the ranching world, you get paid once or twice a year whenever you sell your cabs. The thought of like making money on a daily basis, being your own boss, and then two, making someone feel special, it just, it intrigued me. So I went home and I was like, mom, the hairdresser, you know, how you go? I was like, mom, this hairdresser from school and tell me about it. I want to have a hair appointment. She's like, well, go get it cut. So we went to this small, what I call small town hairdresser, like salon, like totally still Magnolia's hair salon. <laughs> And walk in and my twin sister and I have very curly hair. It's a rare sighting. You'll probably never see it. I wasn't taught hair products or any of these things. This lady, she just sits me down in a chair to start talking to me, just engaging like in my life, wanting to know all about me. And she cut, she just trims my hair, nothing like crazy. And she puts a straightener to my head. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I just felt, I mean, junior high girls did not look like junior high girls do now. We weren't, you know, we did not, we were we not looked cute. like junior high girls. Yes. yes they like don't we, look like junior high girls no, anymore. Like, no. So I'm in the sixth grade. I have this like long, frizzy, curly hair. And this woman sits me in her chair and puts a straightener to my head. And I felt like a princess. I was like, oh my gosh, what? she just changed my life. I went to school the next day and boys, of course, my, I'm sure my parents didn't like it, but boys were like, oh, who's this? Like, she's cute. Like, blah, blah. You know, I hadn't really ever gotten noticed. Mm -hmm. And girl, I did not want to wash my hair because I was like, if I wash my hair, my straightener is going to go away. So I told my mom, I have to buy a straightener. And in that moment, I was like, I want to do that for people. I want to do what she did for me. Like she just, I mean, my parents loved me. They were great parents, but I felt very pretty on the outside. And that made me feel like something was important on the like inside. And so from the sixth grade, I was like, I want to, I want to be a hairdresser. And so I got into high school and, um, 
started like getting my hair highlighted and I'm sure I was super annoying to her because I asked more questions about what she was doing, what she was using, how she was doing it. than actually, what are you having for dinner? What'd you do this weekend? You know, like she's like in the mirror fully. I'm like, what are you doing? How do you do that? So I, I actually took a break from rodeo. I got super burnt out. I had done it my whole life. It's just it's like anything. You don't appreciate what you have when you're doing it because yeah. it's just how it goes. Um, so I grew up rodeoing. I like could rope the dummy, like, you know, a little kid rode horses, went to play days, all that. So in junior high, I was like, that's so cool that my friends are just getting to be a cheerleader and play basketball and all that. So I, um, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, and sadly pro rodeo kind of broke my heart. Um, my dad pro rodeoed and rodeoing in the nineties was just a lot different. There weren't sponsors. There weren't the rigs that they have now. Um, so it wasn't family did go, but only like the wealthy families I feel like got to go. So like my mom and my sister and I stayed back and we got to go to like the big rodeos like Cheyenne and, you know, Dodge city and like Reno and things like that. But we didn't just get to go as a family. And so growing up really pro rodeo just kind of crushed my soul. Cause I was like, my dad's only home when he's not winning, you know what I mean? And so I was just kind of like, I don't want to do this. So in junior high, I just quit and played basketball and all that. And then high school, I had some friends that went to high school rodeo and they were telling me how fun it was. And I was like, okay, I want to do this. And, um, I want it to pay for my college. So I'm one of those people that just goes like all in with something. And so I was like, I'm going to get a full rodeo scholarship. It's going to pay for my college. And I found out that there was a cosmetology program through one of the colleges. So I was like, I'm going to focus and I'm going to get a, you know, full ride to cosmetology school. So that's kind of what I did. I rodeoed really hard. I focused and got my full rodeo scholarship. I went to Vernon College for a year and I got my associates first. And then I went to Weatherford Junior College on a full rodeo scholarship to their cosmetology school. So I had a job um, three months before I graduated cosmetology school, worked at a salon in Stephenville for about a year and a half. And then like anything, this, you know, town I swore I'd never come back to drew me back in. So I left Stephenville, moved back to the whole country of Texas. Being a hairdresser is really hard. Um, I think a lot of people think like, oh, you're going to go to cosmetology school and you're just going to get out and start making money. And that's really the furthest fact that's true. You, you only make money if someone's sitting in your chair. And when you're right out of cosmetology school, nobody wants to come to you. <laughs> it's just right. the truth. Um, they want a seasoned stylist. So building a clientele was really hard. Um, I built really fast in Stephenville because I rodeoed. So all my rodeo friends came to me. But when I moved back home, the town of Marble Falls that I decided I wanted to, to do hair in is a lot of like retired community and there's a lot of money in the town. So I was like, oh, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to build with clientele that can afford to get their hair done. I worked at a salon in Marble Falls for eight years. Honestly, I always had a goal. It was just always in the back of my mind. At my 10-year mark, I wanted to own my own salon. But life happens and you just get busy and you forget. I was content. I had a full clientele and I loved the salon I was at. I loved all the girls that I worked with. And so honestly, I, I didn't want to really change anything. It, it worked out for our lifestyle. I just paid my booth rent and did my job. And I had a friend approach me. Um, she does hair in town. She owns like her own little suite. And she said, my grandma has this cute little blue building in town for rent. You should go look at it. And I was like, mm, I'm happy with where I'm at. She's like, just go look at it. And I'm a, I'm a 
my husband says I'm nosy. I'm just super curious. Like I'm a more, I'm a curious person. I like information. I like knowing things. So I was like, what building is she talking about? I feel like I've drove every street in this town and I don't, I've never seen a blue building. And so I pull up and it's this cute little tiny building that looks like an old West town. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to open a salon in this building. And, um, I had throughout the years had seen like salons as I drove around or gotten my hair done and like honestly had several names down for a business that I thought I would like. And when I saw the building, I was like, it looks like an old saloon. So I called it the hair saloon and I wish I could take credit for the slogan, but I absolutely cannot. Um, my friend Avery Green her mother actually came up with the slogan, um, the best little hair house in Texas. And so um, it, it literally, she told me about the building on a Tuesday and I signed the lease on Monday. And um, I stayed at the salon I was at till the end of the year. And that way I could get the new building and everything situated because I still had to you know, make money. And um, started January 1st at the hair salon. And so I have two stylists, it's small. So I wanted it to feel cozy and warm and welcoming. And so I didn't want that big salon feel. So it's just me and two other stylists and they're both um, country, you know, girls. And so it's really fitting. We call ourselves the um, saloon girls. <laughs> I love that. Oh, what a cool, yeah. what a cool story. And I just, you know, I love your passion. You can tell you're so passionate about both, you know, where you came from and your, your hair saloon. You know, when you emailed me, one of the things that I loved, and I've started asking girls this because I'm finding that their answers are just blowing me away. But you said, I'm a fancy lady cowgirl. And I want to know, what does that mean to you? When you think of a fancy lady cowgirl, what does she represent and embody? Yeah. So it's, it's really cool how I like found you, I would say on social media. Cause that's kind of how it works. Like, I don't know you, you know, I've never met you, but I started following you and I loved, honestly, I just thought like, that's me. That's who I am. I am a fancy lady cowgirl. I can go from dirty pants and the working pins to blacked out velvet dress with turquoise and makeup and I can fit in in Dallas and I can blend in in Dallas, you know, and then I can blend in at the cell barn at a little bitty town. I just think it's so the epitome of the whole hashtag itself and the whole movement that you're coming, you know, that you've evolved with is that it's okay to be both. I can remember being little and going to these rodeos and I was obsessed with Sherry Cooper, Tough Cooper's mom. Um, Tough and I are about the same age. I'm about a year older than him. And our dads both rope calves and they were really good friends. So I hung out with them. And I was just, she always just, like when I think rodeo fashion, still to this day, she's like the icon for me. She had all the, the just pieces that don't go out of style, you know, like timeless. Yes. Thank you. I'm like, what's the word? Timeless pieces that don't like, yes. she didn't wear things that were just in style. Like everything that she had on in the nineties, she could wear today and would still rock it. Um, and I love that. But I think like a part of me with my grandparents, sadly, as much as, as much as people love you, they can also teach you things 
that they probably didn't even realize they were teaching you. Sadly, my grandparents did teach me that what people think of you is so important. And it's taken me up until probably three years ago to kind of like break that mold Mm -hmm. because that's not necessarily true. It's actually not true. It's really just what if you think of yourself. And I I was just raised by old school grandparents Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you were going to be Western, you needed to be Western. You didn't need to hang out with those city kids. And I'm like, but those city kids are my friends. (laughs) I go to school with those city kids. And really, it's funny. If you look up Johnson City, Texas, it is the last thing from a city. (laughs) Um, I graduated with like 46 in my class. Anybody that didn't rodeo or ranch, my grandparents, sadly, just we don't hang out with them. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with that mentality of like, you had to fit the mold of where you were and just stick to what you were. And that was country. And I always was just fascinated with fashion. And that really started with Sherry Cooper and just seeing her at the rodeos and just her timeless pieces and her fashion drew me to be like, but she doesn't really like look Western in my mind. What I was taught Western was by my grandparents. Um, that wasn't, she didn't fit that mold. And I thought that was really cool. Not in like a rebellious way, but like she doesn't care. She's wearing what she wants to wear. And um, I could remember my junior year of prom. I wanted to wear, I had a pink dress and I wanted to wear pink boots. And I remember my friends being like, you, you can't do that. You can't wear your pink boots with your pink dress. And I'm like, why, like, why can't I be both? Like, why can't I wear my fancy prom dress and I wish I could find the picture. I literally looked for it all day where I could show you, but (laughs) I cannot find it, but I rocked it. I was like, I don't care. I'm wearing my pink boots with my pink dress to prom because this is who I am. I can dress up and I can dress down. And, um, I just think for me being a fancy lady cowgirl is more of a mindset than a lifestyle. And I think that's the thing that's really neat about this generation is for me, being a cowgirl is just being tough and gritty and going after what you want and not letting anything hold you back. That's a cowgirl lifestyle. And that doesn't mean you have to be on a cattle ranch. You can be in the streets of Dallas or Houston and still be a cowgirl. It, I, for me, it's more of a mindset than a lifestyle. Oh, so well said. It is most definitely a mindset. And, you know, it's just sort of that perfect blend. And that's sort of what I love about you. And I love looking at your photos on Instagram, you know, because you're really sort of bridging that gap between urban and rural. You're still keeping that traditional Western cowgirl alive, but you're sort of bringing a a new take, a new modern cowgirl take on it. And that is just what I really love about you. Uh, You know, real quick, before I let you go, you know, what are some of the ways that you're carrying on, you know, those rural ranching rodeo traditions, because you said something that I really related to, you know, you said you got out of rodeo, you were done with it. And for me, I had to sort of leave that Western rural community to really be able to appreciate it. Uh, So I guess the question just is, you know, in what ways are you sort of upholding some of those traditions that your grandparents taught you that, you know, you maybe now have a little different outlook on? How are you sort of upholding some of those more traditional pieces? And what are you, you know, doing that's a little more modern? Like I said, I quit. I roped and tied goats and ran barrels and I quit junior high because I just got burnt out and none of my friends in my town were doing it. So it wasn't like the cool thing to do. Um, I stepped away from it and 
my dad started really, um, he made the steer open finals and I just, when I got away from it, I was like, wow, this is a really hard sport and this is a really hard life. And I just, I took, I went away from it for four years, went back, hustled really hard, went all through college. And then after college, um, at the time, it's just, it's really neat how far rodeo has come for women. Um, at the time, the only way to go pro was to run barrels and I did not run barrels. So really to rope, I had to stay at the amateur levels or team rope. And I, I wasn't a team roper and I was going to amateur rodeos and my good horse got hurt and rodeo just became not fun anymore. And at the time I was like really building my clientele and it just, it just kind of happened because I got so focused on my hair career and building that, that when I do something, I, I, I stay focused and I get to it. I always wanted to date and marry a cowboy. I was living in Stephenville and I, it popped up as people you might know. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. Um, looked at his mutual friends and we had a bunch of mutual friends. And so I texted one of them and he was a bullfighter that was dating a girl at the time, not very far from my hometown. I was like, who is this guy? And so he tells me and he like makes this setup and we meet up at a pro rodeo and then the rest is history. We married for three and a half years and it's been really fun for me. Cody is a professional bullfighter in the PSTA and he's been nominated for bullfighter of the year. And so I'm still living the rodeo life through him instead of as a competitor. I'm now doing it as a rodeo wife and a contract personnel's wife. And that's been really fun. And it was neat because I was raised with rodeo and ranching and my husband grew up with a, um, they like dabbled in the like cattle industry, you know, like buy a few rope and steers and then rope them and then sell them, but nothing like major, like no cattle operations. And, um, Cody got a job in high school working for a big cattle operation. They ran 1500 heifers and, um, a thousand mama cows and I mean it was a full-time like job and that's where he got his love for cattle and so when Cody and I first started dating he had two cows and I was like oh that'll be cool it's not a huge thing like it's not going to take over our life and then with each rodeo he had seen back in the day how cowboys have all this while they're going and then when they're done they don't have anything to show for it and he did not want that so with every rodeo he bought a cow or a heifer. And that's how he's built his herd that we have now is one by one and then replacement heifers that we've kept. And so it's really neat. The town that we live in in Marble Falls, Texas, it's a, I would consider it a retirement community. It's so fun when my clients sit in my chair to introduce them to the ag industry, because a lot of these people are, you know, businessmen and women from Houston and Dallas and Austin and Seattle that have moved to the Texas Hill Country. And they think it's so intriguing to have their hairdresser do a highlight on them during the day and then go build fence at night. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny to me because it's, that's just my life. That's just who I am. That's just what I've done. And they think I'm the toughest thing ever. And I'm like, no, it's just what we have to do. You know, no yep. one else is going to do it. We just, that's just what we do. And so the lifestyle for me, just like the Yellowstone quote the other night, I don't know. I saw you were watching Yellowstone, but when John Dunn was like, I don't know why we do this, but it's, it's just because we love it and it's mm -hmm. what we do. And it's more the lifestyle than anything else because it's a hard way to live. 
you know, there's no nine to five. And so many times when my husband like is rodeoing and right now he's home with, you know, COVID not, he doesn't have COVID. (laughs) He's home because of COVID. Yeah. No, he does not have COVID. He's home because of COVID because of rodeos. I would, I would be at the salon all day and then I'd have to come home and feed and fix fence and sometimes have water leaks that I'd have to fix. And it's just, there's no, you can't put things off. You just have to do it because something beside yourself is relying on you and it's Mm -hmm. those animals and you know, they can't fix a water leak. And if it goes dry, then, you know, they'll go thirsty and then they'll die. And so ranching for me and rodeo in the Western lifestyle and being a fancy lady cowgirl is just hustle and sharing your story and knowing that it's okay to be tough and pretty all at the same time. I love that tough and pretty all at the same time. I could not have said it better. Sierra, thank you so much for joining the Cowgirl Problems podcast and sharing your story. And girl, you are the definition of a fancy lady cowgirl. So keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And thank you for letting me come on and sharing my story. Absolutely. 